What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Welcome to our Halloween episode of Screen Heroes, where we're not talking about anything Halloween related and it's just me being a weirdo. Hi, I'm Ray, and like I said, this is Screen Heroes. I am with my two very handsome and not spooky at all uh, co-hosts, right? Hi. That was weird. That was very spooky. (laughs) I was just getting into the spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, Derek. Happy Halloween. Hi. Hi. It's not Halloween yet. It's almost Halloween. Look, we yeah. record the day before Halloween, and the episode releases the day after Halloween. Right, so, so there's no Halloween way. Halloween does not exist to us. Uh, <laughs> which is unfortunate, because it's, it's one of my favorite holidays. It's my favorite holiday. It just is. Yeah. So. It's a good holiday. I like it. Yeah. So, happy Halloween, everybody. Yeah. Happy Halloween. All right, now that that's sticking <laughs> <laughs> So tonight we are talking about season three of Daredevil. We usually review the MCU Netflix shows. This one's no different. I hope you were able to binge it in the last two weeks. That's not really binging. So I hope we you gave you extra time. Yeah, I hope you took your time and you really absorbed it all and you're ready for a decent conversation. Nope. No? I mean, I am ready for a decent conversation, oh, okay. but no, I did not take my time. No, I burned you through that it. thing as fast as I could. You we did. got through pretty quick. We did. We only I could have talked us. about it last week. We actually could have as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, we were, We didn't finish it all like on Friday, Saturday, but we finished it by Monday night. Yeah. So, um, nice. pretty quick. You know, we had some other stuff sprinkled in there, but, you know. But before we do that, we have news. Of course. So, box office is the same as last week. Halloween first. Stars Born second, Venom is third. I imagine this it weekend... It crossed 500 million, I think. Didn't yes. It? it did. It's huge. It's huge. It's got all the records for... So many memes coming out about yeah. it. It's... I'm good with it. Like, I I kind of enjoy all the memes about Eddie and Venom being, like, besties. Bros? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's cute. It's a little weird because, I mean, that's not quite how it goes in the oh, comics. Oh, no, but, uh, no. You know, it's interesting. They definitely did that in the movie, so it's fine. I get it, but... It's not like a kindergartner takes one louse from their head and they're like, you're my buddy now. Yeah, we're best friends. But whatever. I I like that it's doing well. Uh, I like that people are enjoying it because it's a different kind of superhero movie than we've had in the last decade, really. Um, and so I can, I appreciate that something different is still successful. Like, I just wish they would have went balls to the wall, rated our horror film with it, because that's how it kind of should have been. And I think it ended up being an accidental comedy and that's why people are flocking to it. See, I I think, I don't think it was an accident. I really don't. I think they knew exactly what they were making. (sighs) I Based really on the do. trailers, you're wrong. But <laughs> well, no, like, trailers can mean lots sure. of different things, right? I mean, different I've companies make the trailers it, usually. Talked about it before. There were two main trailers for White House Down, um, and they are completely different movies, right? Right. So just you know, the trailer doesn't tell us very much in a lot of films. Um, I mean. <laughs> 
you know, there's plenty uh, Rogue One, Justice League, where the trailers, that content barely even makes it into the movie, right? So I, I really think that they knew what they were making. Okay, that's fair. I mean, all we have to go off of is speculation based on what we know of the movie industry. And we tend to know a little bit more than the average Joe, but at the same time, it's not like we're going to get that interview anytime soon with the makers of the film. So no, no. this is what we're going off of. Yes. Um, what's, what's up first on news, guys? Uh, well, let's see. So, um, Echo Station, our sister Star Wars podcast, talks about this in detail, so we won't go into too much, but they have announced officially Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy that the Boba Fett film is shelved, canned, canceled, not happening, and instead they're going to be focusing on The Mandalorian, which is Jon Favreau's show that will be premiering on the Disney streaming service, which means... No sooner than late 2019, um, but probably 2020 is more realistic for that. Um, so that's happening. Yeah. Don't know if you guys have any opinions about I'm that. I'm okay with that. I thought Boba Fett was overrated since the beginning. So <laughs> yeah. I'd rather see an Obi-Wan or a Yoda movie any day of the week than uh, Boba Fett. I like okay. I like Mandalorians, you know, but Boba Fett as, as a character was not really that exciting. So I'm more excited about the Mandalorian show than I would have been about a Boba Fett movie. Yeah, and I definitely think it might have been overkill to try and do both anyway, yeah. right? Yeah, um, there's such a thing as too much Mandalorian. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, you know, we talked about all the shows that Star Trek is coming up with, and same with Star Wars, any of their content now, I'm always curious about the time period. You know, where does this take place? Same with The Mandalorian, because, you know, you could go really far back you could go far forward didn't like they say what the time period yeah was? It's, Did they? it's only oh, okay. a, it's only about three years after return of the jedi yeah so it's oh, kind of between okay. return of the jedi and force awakens so you know the empire is i assume still in the process of collapsing you know it's a pretty big right. empire i don't think it's an overnight kind of thing um so it takes place right after return of the jedi um we're not lucky enough to have it be in the old republic era so sorry ryan um, so speaking of Star Trek, there's a little bit of news there that we covered on Red Shirts and Runabouts. Yeah. If you want to listen to that, there's a new Star Trek show called Lower Decks that was announced. It's a, a half hour animated comedy. Mm-hmm. So you can go listen to that episode if you want to hear more about what's going on with that. There is potential for a Legend of Zelda cartoon in the wake of the Castlevania popularity on Netflix. So that's been optioned a couple times. The first cartoon did very poorly. Nobody really liked it, but it seems that with the popularity of Breath of the Wild, it could have potential. Well, and this is actually coming from the producer of Mm -hmm. the Castlevania show, which, um, you know, from, I haven't watched season two. Season one was really good. um, And people are basically saying it's the best video game adaptation that exists, which I'm not. Maybe there's not a lot of competition. Um, right. Doom was pretty good. The, the Rock with the with the first person scene yeah. and everything. Sure, it was sure. amazing. Yeah, best movie ever. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, so it's kind of cool that uh, that's something that might be happening. I'm a huge Zelda fan, especially if they focus maybe on the Breath of the Wild stuff, since that's the popular game right now. That could be pretty cool. It's very pretty, so I, I just wanted to see more of it. That was a fun video game to just kind of take in. Yeah, absolutely. So they're rebooting Pirates of the Caribbean. 
without Johnny Depp. Surprising, really, not that many. Get people. him out of media, please. Yes, I agree. He was good. He ceased to be good. <laughs> it's it's a talent thing. It's also you know the whole he's abusive thing. And I'm not saying that people don't deserve second chances after they make mistakes. Far from it. But like, you didn't even have to pay for the mistake. So. Maybe, maybe you should take some time away. Why and, would he do that? Mm, There's so yeah. many Tim Burton's out there that need him for movies. Oh my god, it's so true. And we are five or six movies into this franchise at this point. It's probably time to move on. They're stale. Each one does worse at the box office now. Starting with three. Two did better because of how good one was. Right. But three did poorly uh, four and five did worse than the previous one. So I think it's just time to follow something else. Like, Maybe we could just put it out to pasture completely that's instead of rebooting true. it. Because, you, you know, why, why reboot something when the movie just came out? You know? Yeah, that's the unfortunate. Give it some time. It's the unfortunate landscape that we're in. I think they created a wonderful little world there. And it would be fun to explore some other characters. But I'm exhausted with it. Thoroughly yeah. exhausted. And I love fantasy films. So that... That kind of hurts to say. I'm just, but I'm done. I'm done. Like it's certainly the most successful film franchise mm-hmm. based on a theme park ride. True. When you put it up against Haunted Mansion with <laughs> Eddie Murphy, yes. Are those the only two? Probably. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Like if they wanted to do an entire movie based on the like cannibalistic mermaids and the fourth one, I'm down. I want to watch that. Doesn't sound like that's going to happen. No. So Doc Rev in chat, I think, is with us. He, he says that the, the reboots and remakes are killing them. And I mean, it, it's fair. It's most of what we see now. It's what the successful stuff is, is the name recognition. There's a ton of films out there that are underwatched, underrated, that could use a nice refresher that, you know, have developed over the years really good uh, reputations, but just they're not untouchable. So I, you know... Th- there's plenty of films that you could go back to the well and remake, but you're remaking stuff that we just saw like last year. I, yeah. I don't think that's necessary. Fair enough. Um, other news, shockingly, apparently Avatar 2 and 3 have wrapped filming. So they're a thing. And they're already starting on uh, 4 and 5. Sigourney Weaver had an interview. Uh, she is playing a different character oh, uh, than the first movie. And she will play that that new same character in two through five. Okay. Um, and uh, at least the second and third films dealt with a lot of underwater mm-hmm. stuff, so they had to do a lot of underwater shooting, which was a new experience for her. Um, I'm all about more Sigourney Weaver, but yeah, playing other characters in this is it going to be like the twin sister of the person in the first movie or she, something? Like, she did not go into any real level of detail other than it's just it's a different character than the first film. Um, now, I will say this. I saw the first film, I think, two or three times in theaters because I was fascinated by the tech behind it. So I saw it in, in different formats. I haven't seen it since. So I don't... Did her character die or something? I don't remember, okay. honestly. I don't think so. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. I hated that movie. And at the time it came out, I was one of the very few. So I kept my opinion to myself. And... Uh, don't you I, wish you had a movie podcast at that time where you could have uh, shared your opinion? Oh my god, I would have ripped it a new one. Um, We've done that look, I, I do think it's a beautiful film. I think technically it's really impressive, but it it's, has, it's literally just Ferngully. Yeah. yeah. 
Which, I mean, I'd rather watch Ferngully. So. I agree. <laughs> Tim Curry sings in it. Why wouldn't you want Robin that? Williams is Batty? Come on. That's perfect. The batty rap? It's great. So good. And look, I mean, you know, we have our movie collection behind us over here. Ferngully is on the shelf. Avatar is not. So, what does so, that tell you? <laughs> a funny fact about it. Uh, they used the stereotypical papyrus font for Avatar until... Ryan Gosling made fun of the papyrus font and how lazy it was, and now they've completely redone their logo. They did, yeah. They got rid of the papyrus. It's fine. Whatever. If Ryan Gosling makes fun of you, you fix it. (laughs) You fix it. That's true. Um... I think that's pretty much it, though. Yeah, there wasn't a Shazam lot of news. Gate? No, there was no Shazam Gate this week, or last week, or I mean, there really wasn't anything going on. I don't know what's going on. It's been quiet on the DC news front. Yeah, yeah. it has been. Um, Ever since the Aquaman trailer, really. Mm-hmm. DC released a picture today of the Monitor. He's a character I'm not very familiar with, but side by sides to comic book, it looks really good. So I, I'm on board. Yeah, I love the the photo. Yeah, there's been some other, you know, we like on a Titans show they had the uh, the photo with the other dudes that are on the other show on Doom DC. Patrol. Yeah, Doom oh, Patrol, right, yeah. Robot Man or whatever. The, I don't, I'm, I'm very unfamiliar with Doom Patrol, <laughs> but they looked cool. Whatever the characters were, I'm not really familiar with them. But got, so there's a crossover there. There's right. they're doing. There's going to be some crosses. So we know that universe is the same Titans and Doom Patrol. That's something we don't know if Swamp Thing is in that universe or uh, Young Justice or anything like that. Right. Um, you know, we got a little more behind the scenes of uh, Batwoman on the Elseworld mm-hmm. crossover. Alan Tudyk was cast as the Joker in the Harley Quinn cartoon, and I'm good with it. Alan Tudyk's a great voice actor. Oh, yeah, sure. I just wonder if he's going to go King Candy or Moana's <laughs> Hey Hey or <laughs> K2SO. Well, he did go to Juilliard. Um, he did. That's pretty funny. Um, so I have I have a little complaint about the entertainment world. So we're, we're in this, well, a new one. We're in this clickbaity world now, right? Where there's just clickbait headlines everywhere. And it drives me nuts. I really hate it. And the latest one is breaking news about trailers. And it was breaking. Marvel confirms an Avengers four trailer in 2018. That was the news article. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was a thing. It was, there was also the news article about Th- Deadpool survived the snap, which is like, okay, no, he's like not even in the same universe, so of course, yeah. you know, it didn't affect him. But this was, so the headline was, Breaking, Avengers 4 trailer confirmed. So I'm thinking, oh, like tomorrow? No, t- 2018. Of course. The movie comes out in May. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get a trailer for there, it. Well, there was a lot of speculation that maybe we wouldn't get a trailer for it until after Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. That's that highly <laughs> It does, but I mean, they didn't want to spoil anything. They've been very tight-lipped about, you know, these Avengers movies have been notoriously sure, quiet. but you could do some type of short teaser. I mean... Maybe, yeah. You know, we, we got a teaser for The Force Awakens over a year ahead of time. Sure. Yeah. I don't think yeah. it's a time frame thing. I think it's that they don't want to spoil what happens in Captain Marvel or, uh, you know, anything. Sure. 
But we, but I mean, at this point, like you've seen, you've seen Infinity War, right? You could show a shot of Tony and Cap or something like that, something dramatic with music. You don't even have to have any lines, and then just show us the name of the freaking movie. But if you're gonna, you can't wait until mid March or the beginning of April to announce your film. <laughs> they've announced the film. I mean, the, the t- right. there's no title, there's no trailer, which like, makes people speculate on every little thing, gives them news everywhere every time, even a I little snippet know. of information comes out. I, I mean, I think there's a, an interesting strategy there if that was the way they were going but they're obviously not kevin feige said a trailer is coming out this year so fair enough um i guess the the only other thing uh is deadpool news actually so there is this this pg-13 deadpool movie um based on what i've been reading it it is deadpool 2 there was some speculation that maybe it would be parts of both or something like that because they'd have it's to strip like out Deadpool a lot. It's more like Deadpool 2.25, from what I understand. <laughs> There's a bunch of new scenes they shot for it. And... They did. Two months ago, they shot all. They shot new footage for this movie with at least Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. We don't know what else. And a soundstage and stuff. Um, so Brad Pitt's back as Vanisher. Yeah. <laughs> we can only hope. I'm actually really looking forward to this because I don't. this has never been done before. And I appreciate that they have found something totally new to do that works for the character. And it's very tongue-in-cheek, it's very meta and sarcastic, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the final product. I probably won't go see it in theaters, so... I mean, you guys have that AMC pass where you get to watch as many movies as you want, so... Three, three a week. As That's many as you want. Admittedly. So I'm you just know, clarifying for anybody who doesn't Have fun, know. let me know how it is, but yeah, I won't be seeing it in theaters. Okay. I, I just wasn't thrilled with Deadpool 2 anyway, so I, I don't really feel like devoting... Two more hours of my life to it. Okay, okay. If it if you guys say it's good, I'll watch it. When it I comes just think out this is unique. We, the, a movie they've never done this with a movie before. I think it's a unique concept, and so I'm looking sure. forward to seeing what that looks like. It's not so much a a statement on Deadpool two as much as this this idea. So sure. All right. Anyway. All right. Okay, so that is going to wrap up news. Like usual, we're going to take a quick break, and you know, like my sex, we'll be back in thirty seconds or less. Do you like Star Trek? Because over at Red Shirts and Runabouts, part of the Heroes Podcast Network, we absolutely love Star Trek. Join us every week with me, one of your regular hosts, Gregory Bosco, as we talk about your favorite characters, your favorite movies, your favorite episodes. We even respond to some of your comments on Twitter and Facebook, at least those that are appropriate for us to talk about online. Every Friday, Red Shirts and Runabouts. See you next week. Hello, we are back. And we are going to talk Daredevil. And I'm so excited. Let's talk Daredevil, guys. Daredevil Season 3. Let's do it. Let's get right into this. It's a show on Netflix. It is. There's 13 episodes. 13 episodes. Watch it for ten ninety nine a month. So, where, I mean, where do you want to start? I don't know. This I mean... One? Do you want to do an overall kind of feeling sure. about it? Yeah. Spoiler free, since we haven't spoiled anything yet. I guess that's fair. Let's do it. Why don't you kick us off, Ryan? Okay. I thought it was good. I don't think it was like the godsend that everybody was saying. I was the best Marvel cinematic anything that's ever been put out in the history of the universe. Why do I feel like they they did that because they don't want it to be canceled? Like, I mean, maybe. because But this they started doing that. Like People started talking about the first six episodes but when the when they started sending those out for reviews and whatever. Oh, right. They started talking about those six episodes and saying it was the best season of Daredevil, the best of Netflix. Um, and that was before, really, some of the Luke Cage and Iron Fist news came out. So That's I fair. wouldn't think that it was that specifically, but... I mean, some of the fans that reviewed it and were saying that might it might have been for sure. I thought it was good, but and it, and it was probably in my top half of of uh, Netflix show 
uh, seasons for sure, but it was it was good. Yeah, not not great. Fair enough. So okay, so we have three seasons of Deadpool, two of Jessica Jones. Deadpool. Wow. Deadpool. wow, Daredevil, three Daredevil, two Jessica Jones, two Luke Cage, two Iron Fist, and one Punisher. And one Defenders. Yeah, and one Defenders. Right. Okay, so that's eleven seasons. Just check. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Right. I mean, it was fine. Like it. It's probably middle or top half if I were to rank each season. Um, I think it might be the weakest of the three Daredevil seasons if I were to watch all three of them back to back. And I guess I would have to include Defenders in there too since his story directly follows that. But um, I think my issue is Matt Murdock, for the most part, for most of the series was boring compared to everything else that was going on. You mean season? Se- yeah, season. Sorry. Okay. I've been watching a lot of British shows in the morning, and they call each season a series, so it just... Sorry. Fair enough. me for a second. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my take. Yeah. Um, it was fine. It was it was fine. I I'm a little frustrated that... The, all the side characters were far more interesting to me than than Daredevil himself was for most of the season. Um, and with Iron Fist, we kind of explained it away because it's about the Iron Fist, not about Danny Rand, right? But it's harder to do that here in Daredevil because, I mean, he's Daredevil. Yeah. And we'll get into even Daredevil more about it. Like, a concept? It's not a concept. And even in this one, I mean, you know, before we get into spoiler territory, you know, it's even more significant in this season than previous seasons. So, well, I mean, it's not a spoiler to say there are two Daredevils in this season. Well, no, that wasn't what I was oh, going to okay. say. Yeah, it's a story plot piece, so I don't want to... Gotcha. Um, but, um, but, yeah, so, you know, it the side characters are, are wonderful, really, for the most part in this, in this season. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio is absolutely a spectacular actor, mm-hmm. and... Um, if it wasn't for his Fisk, I'm not sure the show could have kept my interest, but he's just so compelling. He is so interesting that he just kept bringing me back in every time he was on screen. So, um, but yeah, let's, let's dive in. This is your spoiler warning at this point. Um, I don't think we'll really spoil anything from other Defender shows, but we might. So fair warning on that. Yeah. Definitely the, the three seasons of Daredevil. Um, and probably Defenders. So, okay. So, okay. I found the sad, mopey Matt to be kind of just not interesting to right. me. Um, and the first, like, three episodes were just kind of hard to get well, through. Well, it was it was a real struggle because Charlie Cox is a, is a wonderful actor. Yes. He really and is. the dialogue they were giving him was just bad. I think in the first episode he literally says fuck Job or something like that and it reminded me of fuck Batman in the yeah. Titans trailer where it's just like and that wasn't just in the Titans trailer that happened in the show too but it was just Are you 13? What are you Right. And and bless Charlie Cox's heart because he tried. Yeah. He really tried and you could tell and that was the only thing that made it bearable I think. Um, but yeah, it was just like hot topic emo Matt Murdock, like, I'm gonna get back at my parents, you know, whatever, man. Well, yeah. Even before that, you know, he's like, well, Matt, Matt Murdock's dead and I'm just the daredevil now. Right. And he's like, he's totally just beat, and he should have been like a building fell on him. Yeah. Right. Um, but you know, there's just this concept of him completely giving up everything, but at the same time only being Daredevil, which seems to be in conflict with the concept of giving up on everything. Right. So his character was so boring that episode five or six, 
didn't include him until the last 30 seconds. And then you see him perched on his apartment building like that. You can have an entire episode of the show without your main character. And then they do it again, episode nine or 10 with Karen and he's barely in it. So, you know, that's not a good sign. I mean, Big Bang Theory doesn't go one episode without Sheldon. So, you know, they know where their money is at. Like, I just, I love Charlie Cox. I wanted this to be more of him and less of everyone else. Essentially the best jawline on TV right now. Yeah, it's really top, good. Top five for sure. That cow, man. Um, no, I think it's a good point because last season, one of one of my complaints was that it didn't feel like a Daredevil show because they focused so much on the Punisher and Elektra. So my hope was they were going to get back to what they had in season one where this is a Daredevil show and they're really focusing on him as Daredevil. And I found that everybody else was more interesting. Yeah. What Fisk was trying to do, what was going on with the FBI, what Foggy was going through was just so much more interesting from a story level perspective. But I do want to say, I don't think any actor gave a bad performance. I think they all did great with what they had. So let's talk about Sister Maggie, because we meet her in episode one, and she is just a sassy ball of fire. And if I, I grew up Catholic, if I had known nuns like that, (laughs) maybe I would have stuck it out a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, that that whole church seems to be a lot more interesting and appealing to me as an atheistic Jew than what I normally see out of organized religion, so that was kind of cool. She's awesome. She's a great character. I did not actually see the the twist coming. Really? Yeah. I did oh, not. You're not familiar with Daredevil in the comics. I'm not. No, I'm not, I, I started, there was like, they rebooted Daredevil a few years ago, and I read like the first like three or four episodes, was, or issues. It was very, very good, but I just dropped it and so, so here's the thing you tend to have very selective memory last time when we talked about the defenders when we reviewed defenders yeah we said that ryan said that sister maggie his mom was going to be in there yeah well i must have forgot i'm not great with names right, right? so i didn't know sister maggie didn't mean anything to me really and so i just didn't connect that name to a character I'm glad you remembered that because I feel like I, so one of us had brought it up at some point for sure, but uh, you know, I didn't know for sure. Yeah. yeah, Sister Maggie was great. I mean, the actress that played her—I don't know her name, sorry—but she she was great. I mean, I liked her character. I thought she was very interesting. That's going to be a running theme through most of this because every character, really, other than Matt Murdock, was really phenomenal for the most part. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, she was great. And the whole, like you said, the whole church, the father was great. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, but I think we've said in previous seasons that we liked anytime Matt went to the church and talked to, gosh, what was the father's name? Father Lanton. Father Lanton. Anytime Father he went and Lanton, talked yeah. to Father Lanton, uh, that it was very interesting. I mm-hmm. thought the dichotomy between being Daredevil and the Catholic background was an interesting thing that it doesn't get explored in media very often, religion versus you know, wanting to be something that, that makes a difference. So I always thought that was an interesting part of the character. And uh, they definitely hit on that harder this season. So that part of Matt's journey was was good for me. I mean, they, you know, really pushed the religious aspect. They you did. Know, truth be told, they did a religious aspect in Iron Fist and Luke Cage. And all of the religious aspects were handled fairly well, you know, as people that aren't, evangelical they aren't protestant we're we're not catholic like it's it's easy for us to understand 
the relationship each of our character, each of these characters have with their, um, I guess, deity. We we understand it. We we get what they're going through just based on these scenes. So I I really feel that if there's anything Marvel and Netflix does, it's the inner turmoil, and or does well. It's the inner turmoil and the. Uh, religious aspects of what they're doing you know the the motivations and everything so. i want to say whoever the showrunner this season was has nothing Zack snyder has nothing on them for jesus imagery because literally the first <laughs> shot of the first episode when matt is like falling in the water of the building he's like in the jesus pose and even fisk at the very end when he's yeah. like finish me he's in the jesus on the cross pose and it's just like there's a lot of that yeah i mean just if you're in the background you know the crucifixion pose is very much a theme throughout the whole series and it started to bother me at a certain point because it's like there's there's a the the imagery is not something that's supposed to be overdone like that like i, I just feel like they overdid it Maybe. there's a lot of it there was um I don't know. I didn't mind it so much in Daredevil because he's supposed to be so connected to his religion that it seemed to gel a little bit better than right. Like, but use other imagery, Superman, you know? rather <laughs> use different imagery other than just the crucifixion. Because I mean, that was the same pose throughout That's almost fair. every episode. There was at least one person doing a crucifixion. Pose. I mean, the Fisk one might have just been a coincidence. Okay, I don't know? think it was. Well, because he he doesn't have his arms out; they're kind of down. He's more no, of just he has showing straight out. They, they were they were they were not straight okay. at ninety degree angles. It was more of like him trying to like to show that he's not fighting back rather than anything else. That may have just been a coincidence, but I get your point. Um, it took a while for the show to get going for me, though. Um, yeah, that's why I'm surprised when people said like the first six episodes are some of the best I've ever seen. It's like really the first like three episodes weren't great so no it did pick up yes it did once you started learning more about uh dex and that's where that's when it started picking up for me for sure so uh, this episode uh, this season had the same same issue that i had with luke cage where i could cut out about 15 to 20 minutes of filler in each episode there wasn't one single episode that needed to be cut just a few things in each what I actually think the Karen episode was completely unnecessary. I mean... That actually was one of my favorite episodes the whole season, to be honest with you. Here's the thing. It's not a bad story, and it wasn't poorly acted or poorly written or anything like that. But what was important from that to the other 12 episodes did not need an hour dedicated to itself. It, it, I mean, to be fair, it was only like 35 minutes of the Karen backstory, and then it went back to modern day. It wasn't a full mm-hmm. episode. But it was a full episode dedicated to that one thing. Whereas if she could have explained the story in five minutes, right? And then you have the rest of the episode to do stuff. I guess I didn't have as much of a problem with it because Karen has been a main character since season one and we barely know anything about her. Yeah. And we know Matt and Foggy's almost their complete history together and, you know, their all their schooling background and everything else. But Karen, we, we didn't know anything about her being a drug addict uh, we didn't know anything about her brother dying basically because of her. And uh, well, I mean, I mean, this is why we do TV shows instead of movies, so each character can be explored. And it makes sure. each character deeper, you know. But I'm not, I'm not sure that two seasons of not developing her character well is a good excuse for needing a. a a full episode diversion from the rest of the sh- of the story that's being told. I'm not saying that point. she wasn't developed well. I'm saying that we didn't get as much backstory on her as we did the others. I don't sure. think that episode should have been cut. I 
I mean, especially after like a couple episodes prior, she made that phone call to her dad and asked to come home, and he's just like, no. Right. But, I mean, part of that, though, is the fact that they just didn't tell us anything before. Right? So I'm saying, like, I'm not sure that that's a good excuse. Like, they could have had any number of throwaway lines in the first two seasons about a a previous drug addiction. That would have been easy for them to do. Right? Which wouldn't have given as much depth as what we we got from this episode. Sure. But I'm saying you lay the seeds for it, right? And then you don't have to spend an entire episode that's separate from the rest of the story. She's a very private, closed-off person. Okay. You know? I'm just arguing for it. I I thought it was interesting. It didn't bother me as much as it bothered you. But I can understand how, how, you know, it might not fit in for everybody. It felt like an episodic TV show for a minute, right? And it's not an episodic TV show. And so it just felt really out of place for me. It felt like I wanted to know what was going on today with the story that was happening today. People are dying. There's lives on the lines. People's careers are on the line, right? Like there's crazy stuff happening. And then all of a sudden we have to jump back in time X number of years for this other story that is kind of forced to be told because they've written themselves into a situation where we need to know this information right now. You know what I mean? Like part of me thinks that like, is any of this in her character in the comic books? Is yes, any of this? but it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it's in a different kind of, Time Order. frame. Yeah, in, in this, it, the reason why Fisk finds out who Daredevil is is because of her uh, drug addiction and prostitution, if I remember correctly, at the current day, not in her past. Okay. Um, so there, the drug addiction was in the comic books, but it was current day, and like, and Fisk manipulated her based on that and the situation she was in so that, currently. That feels like they wrote themselves into a corner where they're like, well, we can't use that, the, the comic book storyline, it's too late to make her an active right. drug addict or, or prostitute or something like that, right? That's not going to work. So how are we going to do it? Well, now we need to do it in the past. Well, we've never shown anybody any of that before, so now we have to. That's all I'm trying to say. If, they, if that had been part of the plan then they could have laid the seeds for that over the course of the previous 26 episodes. Okay. It just seemed kind of out of the blue, right? Like it's, it doesn't all of a sudden she's not just a drug addict. She's a heavy drug user, right? Like big time, hard drugs, heavy drugs, selling drugs at parties, like pretty hardcore. She leaves all of that behind somehow and ends up being a pretty reputable person Right, she's a reporter now. She's a trusted person. She's you know stable, and she lives on her own, and she doesn't have any of these problems. It just seemed kind of out of left field that she did for someone who doesn't know the comic books. If you know the comic books, you're kind of supported by the concept that her character is like that, but she's not on the show, right? So I felt I felt the same way when the when that episode started. I felt like I don't really want to care an episode right now. I mean, she's a good character, but I don't really need this. But then the episode was really well done and kind of hit the feels and i was like okay i'm good with this episode it was fine and i liked that they gave her some backstory and uh you know a past that's tragic and you know maybe it would have been better earlier in the season episode like two or three where like the main story isn't in full gear right right i could see that maybe that would have been better because that it would have been nice maybe to get a break from mopey matt to learn something about another character but by the time karen's episode nine i think Right, or something like that. Like, by then, like, I want to see what's going to happen. You know, you, you that's where my focus is. Right. So, I don't know. Okay. We've talked a lot about that one episode. So, let's move on. Let's move okay, on. Okay, so let's... Um, we can talk about the FBI, because that tends to play a heavy part in this. And 
at least three or four individuals from the FBI are pretty big in this season. Or we can talk about Fisk next. Let's, let's do the FBI. Because okay. I mean, Fisk, you know, we can talk about for a while, I think. so. Probably. Yeah. Nadim was awesome. The yes. actor so was great, and the character was deep and and flawed um, and interesting. And I, and I thought, you know, we all knew that he was probably going to die. Yeah. Unfortunately, that his the season was not going to end with him alive. But um, yeah, I I loved the character. The actor killed it. It was it was very good. There wasn't a minute in there where I was like, oh, this is kind of rough acting. Where it was with some of the other FBI agents, not the main ones, but some of the you know normal people. Oh, the boss, I felt like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they sat down at the table and everything, mm-hmm. and before, yeah, yeah, um, that yeah, he wasn't great. There was it was awkward. I was like, this guy is not a great actor. Yeah, but yeah, Nadim was was wonderful. He was a highlight of the season for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't do... I thought they were going to do the tropey thing where, like, he fulfills the prophecy that she was warning him about, right? Where he actually does end up on the wrong side because of his debt. I'm like, don't do that. Yeah. That's boring. And they didn't. And I'm so glad that they did it the way they did because it was far more interesting. And it makes him, like, a tragic hero, right? Like, he's human. He made some mistakes. And, and he... you didn't really know which way he was going to go in the end. You know, you wanted him to... You knew that he was a good guy, but his family on the line and everything else, he... You know, that puts people, makes people desperate, so. Yeah. He was compelling. I wanted to know what happened with him. You know, from the moment you see him on screen, you, you kind of get the feeling that because he's, he's not a main character, he's not even a secondary character, he's more like a tertiary, and they're spending a lot of time on him, you kind of feel like you're going to get emotionally involved just so they could kill him off later. And that's what they did, but it wasn't in the same way they've done that in the past, like Ben... Ben Urich. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, he was in only a few episodes, about four or five before they killed him off. And this guy was in every single episode. He he dies in 12, but he's back in 13 on the video and everything. Yeah. So he got almost a full arc. And he might have been, like, maybe just my favorite individual story arc. He It was kind of his show and what he went through his journey. And I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was very, very good. It reminded um, me of The Wire. I don't know if you guys. I've actually never that. watched The Wire. I've wanted to. But. Yeah, very similar to what some of the characters go through there. I mean, part of me thought up until uh, you know Matt removes his mask and shows him legitimately who he is. Up until that time, I actually thought that maybe they were trying to go you know, a Commissioner Gordon kind of route where in the next season they work together on stuff and that's what they were trying to set up. That would have been cute. Um, obviously, you know, once he takes his mask off, you're like, well, <laughs> you, <said>. yep. <laughs> you know, that's a bummer. But um, cause I really liked him. It was just really cool to see this guy who loved his job, really loved his job and wanted to continue to excel at it and grow at it and loved his family and sacrificed everything he could at least financially, for his family. Mm-hmm. You know, it's why he's in debt to begin with, right? And he's just constantly trying to, to make them happy. And finding out that that was Fisk that orchestrated that. Like, that's gotta be... everything. <sighs> yeah. I mean, there's just, like, it's just crazy when you think about it like that. Um, and, you know, then his boss has an interesting line later in the season where, you know, she mentions, like, she was trying to stop, protect him from that. And that's when she was, like, when she was giving him the BS about why he wouldn't get promoted... That wasn't the truth. The truth was to shield him from everything that was going on because she didn't want him involved. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, she's not necessarily a, a completely horrible person either. She's stuck. 
in the same situation where one of her kids was already killed. Yeah. She's got one left, right? Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine what that must be like as a parent to have one of your children killed by a mob boss and then basically have the other one threatened. I think you'd probably do quite a bit to protect that other kid, you know? So it was nice to show just a little bit of her humanity that Mm -hmm. she wasn't just straight up buddy-buddy with Fisk. Nobody really was. I mean... No, I he mean, Dex wanted to be. everybody. Yeah. That's yeah, you, thing. you aren't close to Fisk without him having something on you. Mm-hmm. So I guess, we, do we want to talk about anybody else in the FBI? Do we want to talk about Dex? Yes. Let's Let's talk about Dex. I am very split on Dex in this, in this season. Why is that? I think, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Just a bit. Go ahead. So the actor was great. The character was really interesting. I love the idea of this... Um, kind of obsessive character who has some, has uh, mental issues that he's struggling with and he's obviously in a dangerous field and he's trying to stay on, on the straight and narrow, but it doesn't really work for him. I appreciated that. And he's looking for that kind of, you know, mentor who can keep him focused. But his abilities totally lost me because he's supposed to be a normal human who is just really accurate. Well, they don't really say that. Like they, that's that was something that bothered me too. Is they don't give a backstory because he's obviously superhuman. There's the human, normal humans can't do that. That's part but, of the problem. But they didn't give us the reason why. All they did was that one little backstory where he's throwing the baseball at the one spot mm-hmm. on the wall. But a, a normal kid doing that for six hours a day is still not going to be able to do the same. Th- you know, there's no amount of time doing that that's going to make you able to do that. So, yeah. Well, I mean, even if his let's pretend his superhuman ability is his accuracy. Yeah. Well, accuracy and power, strength, force are not the same thing, right? So, some of the things that he did, some of the things that he threw, and the way that he threw them at the distance that he threw them, became comical in nature for me. Like I actually laughed a couple of times, and that was not what you were supposed your reaction was supposed to be. I think the reason that it wasn't a problem for me was because if you think about being able to do something perfect every time, you stop thinking about that and you focus on adding things to that, right? Like so sure. if I throw a baseball and I want it to hit someplace, it probably won't be full strength because I know at full strength is not going to be accurate but with him not having to worry about accuracy assuming that's a superpower he could put all his strength behind something that maybe i wouldn't be able to and and that would that's a fair point in my opinion that's why it worked it worked for for some of it right but like the big church fight he literally threw rose rosary beads through windows at him individual beads from a necklace that happened in the church fight scene yeah there's no way for me to take that seriously. Like, whether or not it's his ability is not relevant. When I see that happen, like, okay, so he he basically has the ability to what? Throw at the velocity of a bullet? Sure. I mean, I think How? that's... I mean, I guess. I mean, like, he does the same thing in the comic books, so I don't... You're... But again, like, I'm not reading the comic books, and the MCU doesn't require you to read the comic books, so if you're not going to explain to me where his ability comes from or what his abilities even are. Cause you're not telling me like, there's not like, show when me a scene the where they like. And the Albanians at the motorcade incident, you know, that was really believable. Then yes. you find out he was a sniper in the military and that's even better. You know, all of that was yeah. really great. See it, his first appearance, it was a blink and you miss it. In the first episode, he's in the background of Fisk getting out of that, prison and into um the motorcade and it, all he says is convict and that's it and you know like 
that his character was so great that I was able to overlook the weird inconsistencies with his abilities. You know, they, they borderline on superhuman, um, but... I it, think it crossed the border. But... Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, no, no, because no human, there's no human out there in the in the history of the world that can instantly figure out the trajectory he needs to shoot a bullet at to get it to reflect into a window above him that's... and hit somebody on it. Like he's instantly doing this. Well, that's that him makes as it an super adult, human, in I my mean, opinion. The way he that's kills like Deadshot. I mean, it's superhuman. Yeah. And the way he kills his baseball coach as a child figures that out. With yeah. the baseball seems even less realistic. Yeah. Right. And so the thing is, like, you could have even had some throwaway lines, like he's in the FBI, right? Show me a training center where instead of using a gun, he's throwing things, right? And they're cocking his velocity. And it's some superhuman velocity that he's throwing. Well, I don't think he's, like, revealed to like the that. FBI that he can... Like, I don't think it's a well-known fact that he can and, do this. Right, okay, so he does it with, with Fisk then or something. I don't know. I, I'm just saying that, like, there's no explanation for why he can do these things other than he has an obsessive personality. And that's not enough for me to make everything he does seem believable. Now, look, I am certainly not a physicist, okay? But there's just certain things like in uh, the, the newsroom fight scene, there's a moment where they're really close range with each other and he throws behind him a pair of scissors that stick into Daredevil's chest. Yeah. He's throwing it at like six inches. I'm not saying that it's impossible to impale somebody from that range, but it just doesn't, doesn't feel realistic to me at all. You know, okay. So I didn't have I just, that same problem. I, I did. Really work I did me. with them not giving him like an origin, essentially, because because I do. I did want to know where his powers came from and find out if it's just supposed to be him being really good at this thing or if it's supposed to be superhuman because it had to be superhuman. They it, focused on the psychopath more than they did the abilities, right? And in the end, I think that was the better move, especially with the way they ended the show. You know, hopefully a continuation of season four would mean we get some more of that background. Because I think when I weigh the two, the character was more important. Sure. But and I, I, agree. I, I definitely agree. But there's like you were talking about, there's 20 minutes in each episode that you can cut out yeah. almost. You know, they could have thrown an origin in there. How, how much time did they give to Daredevil's origin? Mm-hmm. You know, they had like so. 10 minutes <laughs> where like he got the acid splash in his face. And then they show random, randomly some montages of him training with stick throughout the series. Other than that, I mean. Yeah, I mean, this is the first episode where we see that, you know, he spent time in the orphanage as a kid. That when his right. dad died, he came here. This first season they talked about that so i think this show just like they just need time they need more time than what they're giving and maybe they're misusing time too i think it's a misuse of time because i I still think 13 hours or what ends up being about 12 hours i guess is a lot of time and i think that the three episodes dedicated to matt's mopiness could have been cut down Mm -hmm. right and I think that you're right that focusing on the character of who Dex is is super, super important. And the actor was very good. And I don't want to take any of that away. So if you're not going to give me an explanation for his abilities, you have to tone those abilities down a little bit. Because for me, as someone who didn't read the comic books, the only version of Bullseye I know Colin Farrell. is Colin, Colin Farrell. Farrell. And that's and keep in mind, I haven't seen that movie in 10 years, right? So I don't really remember other than like his forehead has the Bullseye right. on it. And he touched it and licked his lips all the time. Right, like, So for me, I'm like, well, that's probably not a great representation of the character. So I'm going into it relatively blind, you know, and 
I don't necessarily like the only reason I knew that Dex was bullseye going into the season is because everybody was talking about yeah. it, right? But if you don't know that, if you were able to go in blind, they never call him that. They never. No, but he does wear the hat with the bullseye on it, like, which was that was cute. Episode, I like yeah. that actually. I thought that was a cute nod. Yeah, it didn't bother me really. Um, but like, you really don't know, right? Like, I don't know the character's real name, you know, um, I or anything so, like that. It, bullseye is one of the characters in Marvel that nobody can get a solid backstory on and maybe that's the issue too because they've had him go by lester they've had him go by ben poindexter and he's gone by a few other aliases and it he does have a convoluted backstory because of that issue right there different writers get a hold of these characters and they want different things so they just rewrite it and they're like oh well he's a villain we can just do that i mean that's why the joker has multiple names and that's why uh Wolverine has multiple names because people want different things. They imagine yeah. different backstories. So maybe that's the trouble too. The source material is just not solid. Fair enough. I do want to say that he was... I didn't really worry. Like Bullseye as a character, not really that scary, but the way they portrayed him here, I thought was really well done. When you, I mean, in season one and season two, we've seen Matt get his ass whooped a lot. A lot. Right? <laughs> a couple times. <laughs> but we've never seen him so out of his element that he literally has no idea how to proceed. And in that fight in the newsroom when he first runs into uh, Bullseye, I mean, it was like, how the fuck do you fight against somebody like this? Yeah. Because he can literally grab anything and be deadly with it. Immediately in two seconds, doesn't matter what it is. Whereas you know, somebody trains with a sword their whole life, they're really good with a sword. Probably not going to be able to pick up a staff and beat you up with it. You know what I mean? Or this guy, it doesn't matter what it is. He, right. Literally, it's a weapon. Um, and some of it was a little ridiculous, but I did like how when he went into his apartment, he that one time when he had, when they had been in there, he grabbed like five pieces of glass off the chandelier. And Brian took those with him. I thought that was a really clever way and that he, mm-hmm. he, he knows he can do this stuff. So he can grab literally anything. He's always aware of what's around him that he can use. Um, and so that made him a really interesting character. And I, when I saw it, it was more likened to like a D&D or video games for me where it was like you have a melee character fighting a ranged character. Mm-hmm. And how does a melee character deal with that? close range they have to close the gap yeah. and and mm-hmm. but the range character knows that they have to close the gap so he tries to get the gap always there and they actually did a really good job with the fight choreography on that showing matt really try and close the gap and dex trying to not let him close the gap because mm-hmm. they both know where they have their advantages the ropes were a good touch too adding ropes were cool. some more punch to the punch was yeah good that was interesting um, and they did a good job showing Matt uh, or Dex get his ass whooped yeah. uh, by Daredevil up close. Mm-hmm. Daredevil's obviously the better hand-to-hand fighter, and Dex realized mm-hmm. that. So it, I've talked before about how in fight scenes it's really important for me to be ha- have it move forward the character or the plot, one of, one of the two. Otherwise, it's just unnecessary violence. It's just, yeah, yeah. action for the sake of action. Mm-hmm. And uh, almost every fight in the show really did have something moving moving forward in the fight which i thought was really good and it's it is a good example of the 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 hero and the villain not being carbon copies of them of each other no but the other problem with it is they took away the powers which this that's a tropey thing that they do with superheroes on the first three episodes he's like oh main character lost his powers like iron man 3 they took away his powers and you know he's got to use his wits 
or whatever. But that only lasted a few episodes. It did. And then he's fine again, right? So there were no real consequences of that. Right. Which made it kind of waste. But, right. But yeah, I, I hated that they started the season off that way, because it's like... Okay. Well, I thought it was going to continue. I thought it was going to be a thing where it was going to be a problem when he goes up against Fisk or Bullseye or whoever, like, a real so villain is. In the past, like... Iron Fist. He went without that fist for half of the season. They really dragged that on. And Daredevil was up and punching a bag by the end of the first episode. And, you know, Sister Maggie says that he laid in that bed for two months. So To be fair, Iron Fist is a, a, supposed to be a skilled martial artist with or without the fist. Whereas, that's true. Whereas uh, Matt Murdock, if he can't see or hear anything really... Then that basically completely gets his martial arts experience and everything else. He, yeah, there's still nothing he, he can do. Always says that like it sharpened his senses. Like, why not talk about the smell thing? Like, I know they yeah, only you can give smell that... the poop in somebody's yeah, colon like... from two weeks ago or something. Well, yeah, he, he can smell like where the food's from and stuff like that. They right. have little throwaway lines. Um, but that's the thing is though, like you're right like as Daredevil if he can't hear then he's kind of he can't do any of any, any fighting he can't even practice law right and he touched on that with the Punisher too in season two when he got shot in the head or whatever and it like rang his bell right. and he anyway sorry so they've already covered it yeah right and so since they've already covered it and it clearly didn't actually have any real consequences in this season then why even do it. Just have it be X number of months later, and he's a little bruised and beat up, you know, but he's relatively healed, and he's ready to go. Like, then you can cut out... Because Matt Murdock can never be relatively healed. (laughs) Him him and Punisher. You know what I mean, They can't be. It's impossible. But even, like, the worst beating he gets in this this season, he never gets as bad as he was at the beginning of the season. You know what I mean? And so, like, they, they burn maybe even more than an episode's worth of content with him sulking around all beat up. For what ends up not really doing anything. I gotta say, the scene where he takes, like, that bulb and sticks up his nose and shoots yeah. it and just shoots the nasty the, crap the, out the of the pot. Oh yeah, oh, the I was like, that is... But then that fixed him. He's good to go. He's fine now. But, yeah, that was nasty. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, now, so Doc, Doc Rev had a comment about the uh, the prison fight that Matt could never have taken with the whooping he got in the prison fight. He also said that there's no way Fisk could have taken all those uh, shards of glass. Like, even though these guys are... Like, I think Fisk has superhuman durability. Like, let's yeah. just get real. They well, all do. Because Punisher could not have survived his season if he didn't have superhuman durability. Daredevil would have died multiple times Ray, over. Ray had an interesting point, though. I think Fisk's suits are not normal suits yeah. either. They're not. They're lined. Right. So, they show that in the first season. Right, okay. Melvin... Uh, but he took off the jacket and gave it to Vanessa. Jacket, yeah. yeah, but I mean, did, the like, vests and stuff can still have... No, because the they went there. right in him. Oh, did they? Like, he, okay. he threw one or two, and they bounced off. Then he took off the the jacket, gave it to Vanessa, and then he took more to the side. Okay. Well, that prison fight scene, people... is, is I'm assuming that's the scene people are saying is now the best of the hallway fight scenes in Daredevil. Yes, that would be the one. Do you guys agree with that? I don't think it's better than the one in the first, but it is impressive that it was one shot. Yeah, I had a talk with Doc Rev about this, and I think from a technical perspective, it's probably the most impressive, it might be the most impressive shot from any MCU and ever in terms of the, the what actually went into making that shot happen. Because it's 11 minutes with no cuts. No cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, as far as a fight scene... Yeah, I like. I prefer the fight, the the season one hallway fight, and then the season two 
Punisher fight in the prison, as well as the one yeah, where he's in the hallway so with the chain, uh, Daredevil in the hallway with the chain, um, when the Punisher's unconscious on the elevator and he's got the, mm-hmm. the biker gang coming up. I think both of those fight scenes were, or all three of those fight scenes were better than this one. But from a technical standpoint, as a technical achievement, it was pretty impressive for sure. Yeah, I think that's I, how I differentiate. I agree with you completely. Because I was watching, like they're not cutting. Well, there was a couple, there was a couple <laughs> spots where it looked like there could have been a cut, and yeah. and uh, you know you couldn't really be sure. But they said that they used one scene. They could they did plan it, so there's a couple spots where they could where cut they could they cut if to. they had to. And this shot and the whole shot didn't turn out as well as they wanted, but they didn't cut at all. So. And that is impressive. And you know, I, I go for the technical stuff, so I truly appreciate the amount of work that must have gone into that between choreographing it practicing it all the extras the guys who have to come in randomly at the right time like effects all the smoke bombs and the lighting and yeah i mean look at like creed for example one of the most impressive parts of that movie to me was the no cut boxing match Mm -hmm. um that scene was nowhere near as technically difficult as what they did in this show yeah um I still think that the Rocky, uh, the Creed fight scene was probably more enjoyable for me. This one, from a, the only thing that kept me going was, man, this is impressive. How long are they going to go with it? Because the fighting wasn't really that great. In fact, no. I thought most of the choreography for the whole, whole season was the the like up close fights were kind of lackluster. There was a, you could see that they were throwing punches above people's heads or you know to the side of their heads and and. People were jumping when they got hit really hard. You know, right. you could you could tell that easily on a lot of them. It's hard to compare it though to to a movie like Creed because I mean it's it's a big blockbuster film and that was like the big title fight. You know, well that's why it's impressive that the show did it better in terms of the, the technical. technicality because you know they know they don't have the budget to do something like what Creed did. Right. So yeah. you know they can afford to hire better uh, uh fight choreographers for <laughs> right. creed than they can for daredevil probably well and creed also only has to worry about boxing right which is you know. probably easier to choreograph i imagine maybe more difficult to choreograph interestingly maybe that yeah but like i mean there's only so many things you can do because there's you know there's rules versus right. like this prison fight scene pretty much anything goes and there's any number of people involved at any time and right you know I do want to say that something that really bothered me in this show that hasn't bothered me, I know you've brought it up before, but it hasn't really bothered me in any other show, was Where Was Everybody Else? Because they make a point in one of the episodes to show every single news station covering Fisk and Daredevil and Daredevil killing people and all this other stuff. And when you show that this is everything on the news, you assume it's through all New York because Hell's Kitchen doesn't have its own no, Hell's, Hell's Kitchen is not a city. It no, is a it's neighborhood a in New yeah. York. <laughs> um, so when you show that every single news station is covering this, what the fuck is the Punisher doing, right? His buddy Red is getting, you know, killing people. Maybe he's like, we spent, good on you, buddy. <laughs> we spent the first three episodes of Iron Fist with Danny Rand bitching about how he needed to do this for Matt. And Danny's not going to show up and be like, Matt's alive and killing people? Right. Like, I mean, Iron Fist, come on. that's the only one you could kind of explain away because you might be out overseas or whatever with Ward at that point. But then Colleen, what's she doing? Because right. they're showing that she's, you know... Well, that's the problem. Well, what's Luke Cage what's doing? Well, he's a crime doing? boss. But what's Luke Missy makes... doing? She should yeah, be in there. She's NYPD. And Jessica Jones. Misty, Colleen, and Jessica should be there. Luke, I get because we leave him off with, don't come into Harlem. That's my territory. Yeah. If he doesn't leave Harlem, if you don't come into Harlem, 
We're cool. That's his philosophy where we left him. Danny very well could be out of the country because we don't exactly know when this takes place. Punisher? But there's not really an ex- an explanation for that. No, right? Like, they do so name drop Jessica Jones though randomly. They did. In the that last was, that was nice. episode, I was okay with it because it didn't feel forced to me yeah, really, it like it would have if they had just jammed it in somewhere else, you know. But that is a problem though, because we're especially like okay, the MCU is one thing. Thor, you know, with Thor: The Dark World, London's being destroyed. You can ask where people are, but New York is a small place. Yeah, and there's four or five major superheroes, or six if you can count Misty Knight, and you know, most of which actually have superhuman abilities at this point. Right, right. Colleen and Misty both have superhuman abilities now. Right, right. The Punisher maybe not, but superhuman durability for sure. <laughs> it's got superhero guns. So. Yeah. But Jessica Jones clearly has abilities. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, it and just, she's an investigator, so she should have been able to figure out that this wasn't Daredevil in like two seconds. You know, mm-hmm. she just literally tails him. He's obviously not hard to figure out because some the random nun, uh, Matt's mom, saw him walking away and could have easily, if she just followed him a little further, gone. Oh, he's getting into an FBI van. You know, weird. How crazy is that? Um, all right, so let's 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 move on to to Fisk. Yeah, we need to talk about Fisk. He was. Again, the best part of the season. Yeah, Vincent Unrecognizable D'Onofrio. for me as Vincent D'Onofrio. He, totally. He became, like, he, he was Vincent D'Onofrio, but he became Fisk. It was, I wasn't seeing Vincent D'Onofrio playing Fisk. It was literally, I was watching Kingpin, there, and it was awesome. There are a couple times where his voice sounded like Edgar from Men in Black, because he played Sugar, that. Yeah. Water. There was a couple times. I can't believe that's the same person. But, <laughs> God, yeah, he was frightening like every episode they escalated just how deep his his pocket went just how far his reach was and it and how far ahead he's thought that's what was impressive to me because he's you know five steps ahead of where you think he is you know you Mm -hmm. might think he's three steps ahead of you but real in reality he's probably five or six steps beyond that with contingencies for each one i mean it's incredibly frightening. How do you beat a per- person like that? I really felt Matt's foggies and Karen's frustration with that because it's very. T- I mean, so here's the end. Like the end is him fighting, and Matt has him up against the ropes. But we've seen this guy before. We've seen him fight. I felt like it was the Obi Wan Darth Maul fight all over again, where for no reason at all, this character wins. Like just. Well, Daredevil had the high ground. So. Yeah, that definitely is the reason why. It was just a like he gave up a little sooner than I expected him to, and it it ended a little sooner. Like I thought that Matt was going to walk away with like broken ribs or something, and the fight definitely didn't go the way I anticipated. Um, I was a little confused by what he wanted. Dex to do what Daredevil wanted Dex to do, right? Because he basically convinces Dex to go hunt down Fisk. Yeah. Right? But then continues to get in Dex's way the whole time. Well, Wh- because he doesn't want he doesn't want Dex to actually kill Fisk. I mean, maybe he thinks he does, but I think that his subconscious is telling him, I don't really you know what I mean? He says he's telling everybody, I'm gonna kill Fisk, I'm gonna kill right. Fisk, but he's not a killer. But but he he sends Dex to this highly populated area. Right, where he's gonna hurt people, there's no question, and then proceeds to have to, you know, do his best to stop Dex from hurting people. It just seemed it just seemed like a way to convolute it, the whole thing. It would have been better had he also protected Dex from Fisk, but he didn't. 
and Dex got his back broken. Right. I mean... Which was interesting to see. I wasn't sure if they were going to go that route, but I I thought that fight scene, yes, there were some motivational things that were a little questionable. It worked for me in the end because I was like, all right, it's it's fine. It was an entertaining scene, watching the three of them fight each other. With all different fighting styles. So good. And then with Daredevil having the block objects, you know, and things like that. I thought that was, it was cool. It was a well done scene. It was the motivations that were weird. But the scene itself is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really well done. Um, Fisk is great. I, I wish that they had given some more of the FBI reveal earlier because it seemed impossible that Fisk had this whole like bunker built in the hotel that somehow nobody knew about. I don't know if he built that. Well, it you was know what, already but there. What, he had the blueprints and knew that. Well, that was the thing. So like when, when you're introduced to all of this, it's just like, how did the FBI not know that was there? Right. And it just seemed impossible that all these people are being duped. And it took a lot longer than I feel it should have for them to be like, okay, fine, the FBI knows. You know what I mean? Because it just didn't seem believable that he was pulling a fast one on everybody. And he wasn't. It's because they were in on the whole thing. But by then it's not so much a twist anymore as much as an explanation. Everybody that works for him is clearly on a need-to-know basis. And you saw that because the... uh, woman i forget her name but her motivation and everything like she doesn't know everything nadim doesn't know everything dex doesn't know everything um dex barely knows anything right right Right. um the scene that they did with fisk and bullseye's backstory we didn't touch on that though it was almost a whole episode devoted to that i thought that was really beautifully shot and interestingly shot where Fisk was a part of the scene and it was shot in like a like a cinema light type like he was mm-hmm. you know I don't know it was it was a really unique way of doing that and I definitely applaud them for doing cuz you see so many you know flashbacks mm-hmm. and things like that it starts to get a little stale but the way they did it was very very interesting and I was compelled by they that They don't get to be as artistic as you'd think throughout these shows right. there's still a formula they have to follow and but this one felt oh, like there was good. some art to certain to, to the, some of the fight scenes uh mm-hmm. and also yeah that and i thought karen's episode was also kind of artsy in my opinion but. it's definitely a mechanic i've seen before but it's been a really long time that i can't even remember and certainly not the mcu yeah. but yeah so yeah. it was super cool to see that because it is a nice change of pace from the normal flashbacks. And it stuff. gives D'Onofrio a chance to just chew the scenery and, you know, go all in, you know, as Fisk. Because it shows his intelligence at a different level. He's able to just read through and listen to a few tapes. You know, remember Dex has most of the tapes. Right. And Mercer gave uh, some to the files, but Dex has most of them. And uh, he was able to figure out every little thing just how Dex... how to manipulate him basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was so good yeah no that was a very cool i didn't mean to jump collection. back but i no, felt like that should have been we're talking about fisk and i think i mean it's hard to separate stuff i, I think that's a really important collection of scenes i had kind of forgotten about unfortunately so My... uh, one thing we also didn't touch on that i really wanted to bring up before i forget is the audio in the show I don't know if you guys noticed, but the um, when Matt in the f- in the first few episodes is having his hearing loss and things mm-hmm. like that, um, the scenes where it's first person with him, if you're listening on headphones, you only can hear it out of one ear. Yes. Uh, the way they did the stereo was to basically 
cripple Mimic. you like Matt was. Right. Um, also, when Dex was in his freakout modes, you always had that residual like mm-hmm. uh, white noise going on constantly. And so it, I thought that it really kind of let you get into the character a little bit more and feel what the character is feeling. And they did Dex's throughout the whole season. They yes. did. So you really and kind of got each, this crazy vibe partially with because each of that. episode, the more he unraveled, the louder it mm-hmm. got. So that like what was ambient in episode two is now at the forefront like full-on tinnitus in your ears and you're just as annoyed as he is yeah and you really start to feel it Mm. and yeah i thought that was something that i haven't seen in any of the other netflix shows and it was something unique especially like the deafness on one ear you know you don't for I don't know. I thought that was a really cool way to connect with characters that isn't explored very often. Yeah, I especially liked what they did with Dex. I thought that was super cool because um, he is unraveling, right? That's the whole concept is he, he is too noisy in his own head, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's what they were going for. I thought it was really cool. Um, so let's see. We have some other things. I want to talk about how everybody... Like, nobody seems untouchable to Fisk except for Vanessa. Like, he's... No no harm will come to her except for the Holocaust survivor owner of the rabbit in a snowstorm. That scene was beautiful. I love that she didn't back down. I love that she told him exactly what was on her mind and she was like and he respected that Mm -hmm. because he doesn't respect everything and everyone and they are just pawns and you know he doesn't care if you have a family he doesn't care your backstory but this woman is the one exception which is why when dex killed her even though it was off screen and thank goodness for that because that might have been a little too emotional for me to deal with but uh, I, I'm surprised that he didn't have Dex killed, like, right then and there, just to be honest. But yeah, I mean... I think he just saw that Dex was more of a more of an asset than, you know, just killing him off. See, I, I feel that Dex doing that didn't do a single thing for the story at all. Yeah, I mean, all it did was serve to piss fisk off and but then nothing know, comes of realize. it though not really no i mean they right? fight in the end but it's you know and then maybe that gave him a reason to fight back like break his back instead of you know just I mean, maybe i mean he does bust into his home and attack his wife right, right? so on his wedding night like i feel like that's all he needed to want to sure. kill him you know well, and not so only to, that but he made a layer. spectacle of the wedding too right. like he interrupted the reception and he brought a dead body with him in the FBI van. Well, so. I don't know if Fisk knew all that stuff necessarily because he was upstairs. He probably didn't know about the dead body, but he definitely knew about the interruption at the reception. Well, right, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, so my, my, my problem is that they have the scene with the woman and it's an incredibly well done scene and it shows us a part of Fisk that we don't get to see a lot, a very measured, level-headed side of Fisk that does exist because of Vanessa, right? So it's a powerful scene. And then they kind of just undo the whole thing for no real payoff. So, like, if you're gonna... It was a payoff more for, for uh, Bullseye's and, character, yeah, I, I think, think it than was it was. Supposed to that he'll him. do literally anything to get make Fisk happy. And the thing is, though, we have, star. we have no way to know that Dex had any clue who that woman was. From his perspective, it was, we've offered this woman a bunch of money, 
and she won't take it, so I'll just take the painting. Yeah, that was right? it. That was right. It. So, but that that doesn't change the character at all because he's already killed a bunch of people. If he knows that she's a Holocaust survivor, that and he point, makes that conscious decision, and he still does he it. He wanted to get back in with Fisk because Fisk was yeah, starting to, to like ignore Star. him and letting him go because Fisk was realizing that he doesn't need him anymore. You know, he's good on his own, and he's gotten what he wants. So. I think that was his way of getting back in and his conversation with Vanessa about how he's the new James Wesley was creepy. He was so creepy. I did like that we finally got the payoff from Karen killing Wesley too and that that came, finally had consequences. <laughs> right, yeah. Because that's that was season one, like mid-season one that that happened. So, and know. it goes to show you how closed off of a person she is because she insists on having attorney-client privilege before she tells Foggy. Yep. Even though they're, like, besties. Mm-hmm. Oh, she didn't murder somebody, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. And he, he wants to be a district attorney, so that would put him in a bad position. It's true. You know, so she's also trying to be a good friend in that moment as well. Yeah. You know, so. Um, I thought that, like, the very end with Bullseye during the operating scene. Yeah, can we talk about that? What? Can we talk about that? Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really stupid. I don't stupid. think there's a lot to say about it, really. I, I thought it was just stupid. I think it, it's a... It's for somebody, the people that read the comic books, that's all it was. And I mean, so, so he I didn't broke. like the bullseye appearing in his eye. Yeah, that was weird. I but... actually wish they would have name dropped it. Literally said the word. Because, so I've been in an OR. I've seen how surgeons work and I know how they talk and they get really braggy when they're doing surgery and, and like good things happen and, you know, they're, they're on their way to doing it correctly i was really hoping that he would have just stayed asleep and not woken up from the anesthesia and they just would have said like bullseye and panned out this it would have meant that like they did a really cool thing on his spine and i i know that's almost just as cheesy but i think you know a, a patient waking up in the middle of a surgery and his eye is now glowing in a bullseye just seemed less Realistic? I just don't think that either one is really needed. Like, if they were going to do anything, then they could have just literally called him Bullseye. They call Kingpin Kingpin because it's a code name, and that's how everybody mm-hmm. refers to him. But it's like literally three do... years. Sure, but they but they literally could have just said, you know, Bullseye. Yeah. Or he could have said, he could have thrown something that said Bullseye. Yeah. You know, that would have yeah. been I like Ray's idea of better than what we got. Because, yeah, first off, the waking up during surgery. he's ha- His spine is open, yeah. and he wakes up. Okay, why all right <laughs> number one then number two the eyes yeah. like what about breaking his back changed his eyes well they're giving him a uh, in the comic books adamantium probably vibranium or some you know something like that spine reconstruction so you know I, I, we know that vibranium has weird properties in the sure. mcu it can literally do anything you want it to do including give bullseye eyeballs right like so like, it's just it, it it took a character that it had some really off the wall moments for me and just cemented that they really didn't know how to write the character. That they didn't know what to have him do. When he's when he's Dex struggling with his mental issues, he's brilliant. And then when he has to be bullseye, it's was just kinda lame for me most of the time. See, Minus the sniper way, scene in the, the beginning, yes. like the the motorcade scene was great. The motorcade scene was great. Any of the hand to hand combat stuff with with Matt was great, you know. But there, any major action sequence other than that, there was something that lost it was me. the church and the bulletin where his powers were off. Where See, they, I like those both of those scenes, so I'm gonna politely disagree with you. <laughs> and say that. 
they were good. He was embracing what he what he was thought Daredevil should be in this instance, and uh, you know he was he put on a suit. He's a different character at that. Oh, point. that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about his abilities, like the throwing. Uh, no, the, I like his abilities. Uh, the throwing of the fine. beads on the necklace. And... I had no problem accepting that he was yeah. a super. Once they showed that he was doing superhuman things, that's fine. He's a superhuman. That's in my mind done. They don't need to show it at that point. If they did, it would have been great. But okay. Sorry, I thought I thought that last scene was very akin to the Iron Fist ending scene, where you just randomly have Danny Rand with chi bullets yeah. and out of nowhere. But you the know, difference there. Well, first off, I. I thought that scene was a little over the top for Iron Fist and Iron Fist is more lighthearted and magical than Daredevil is, right? Yeah. So you've taken Daredevil, which is arguably the grittiest of the Defender shows and done that. And then, so it's even more of a stretch. Okay. No. All right. It I mean, it was, yeah, it was cheesy. <laughs> I was, I thought the spine thing was cooler as a reference to the comic book than the bullseye eyeballs. Right. Yes. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, look, if you want to show that he's not dead, then yeah, you don't have to actually show his eyes open. They're doing surgery yeah, on him. Yeah, just show the heart monitor. Just right. show the heart monitor. Yeah, that's all it needs. All right, so um, final thoughts. That must fine. have been really hard for you. That's what she said? No, that's what Dex, no, that's what Dex, Dex said. Dex's big thing that yeah. he says all the time. Which I actually thought was great. Yes. That was a recurring yeah. thing. Um, overall, I liked it. I still think season two and, and one were better, personally. Yes, um, I agree. But... It was probably, it was probably top five seasons of the sh- of shows for me. So, fair enough, um, Ray. Yeah, I completely agree. I I think that I still prefer the first season the most, but Daredevil, Daredevil is still one of the more interesting shows. Good, yeah. I think than all the other shows. Yeah, yeah. I don't think every episode deserves a nine point five rating on IMDb. I don't know what that's about, but I I'm good with it. It's they're continuing Matt and Fisk's arc very well, and each episode escalated in interest, escalated in tension, and that was important for me. You know, Fisk is frightening, and I felt that so. I, overall, I'm happy with it. I just wish that Matt had been done better. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I, the side characters are so good. Everybody is so interesting in this, you know, whether it's, of course, Fisk or Dex or Foggy or just so many, you know, Nadim, just so many cool characters in this season makes me want to like it more mm-hmm. than season two because there's just so much more going on. It seems much more complex of a story. Um, but... I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure yet, to be totally fair. Um, I don't know where to rank it because I, mean, I haven't seen Jessica Jones, and I, that's Punisher. not that's not fair. And I've only seen a few episodes of Punisher, so um, not really fair to, to rank it with those or not. But um, what do you guys think about the possibility of a season four? Do you think it's going to get it, or do you think Netflix is trying to move on? I think Netflix is trying to move on. Yeah, I agree. It's unfortunate, but... And I bet Punisher season two. Punisher is probably the hardest one for me because, well, because of the Netflix shows is my favorite character, but um, because it's an adult, it's an, they can't move this to the other network. No, it's not you know, at least it's the character is making them something, right? You know, on Netflix. I, I mean, I don't know. I know Netflix doesn't care, but it's it's frustrating. We're finally getting a Punisher that that ninety percent of Punisher fans really love. And they're just going to kill it because Netflix needs to control all its properties. Well, I mean, I think that's not necessarily a fair way of framing it. I mean, we have we don't know how much money they have to pay Marvel. Oh, I'm sure it's a lot. You know, so it may not be profitable, like legitimately. 
you know, and Netflix certainly doesn't have a reason to produce well, a non-profitable you know, show. You know, they, they keep saying that companies like Netflix and Facebook, you know, they're, they're worth billions, but it's all just theoretical. Like, they... They're strapped for cash all the time, and so I don't know. Well, Netflix, though, broke expectations for new subscriber numbers. They actually bring in physical hard cash on a regular basis. Just two years ago, they were saying that they don't turn a profit. So, like, what turned around in two years? I'm I'm not saying that they completely turned around. I am saying that they are considered the um, largest, like, producing... Distribution. Distribution company, right? So that that means something. They're making some money, you know. Um, And if a thing like Marvel is going to charge them extra, then it would make sense for them to cut that loose because that is a cost they don't need to incur. Yeah. You know, if they make their own stuff, Lost in Space and Stranger Things and, you know, that type of stuff, then they're paying themselves, you know. So if they aren't profitable, that this would be the appropriate move to help make them profitable. Okay. So. That's that then. Yeah. All right. So I guess that's it then for our talk on Daredevil Season 3. Absolutely. That finishes us up. Next week is our review of Bohemian Rhapsody. So go check that out this weekend. Come talk about it with us on Tuesday. We're all looking forward to this. Uh, We don't usually make time to review biopics, but we're big Queen fans. So this is kind of important to all of us. So we have our Screen Hero Awards we do. going on. Um, every Almost every night, uh, we will be posting voting categories for various movies, TV shows, that sort of thing. Um, you can go out to Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and vote for these things. Um, vote for your favorite in these categories, and we will be talking about them in December for the third annual Screen Heroes Awards. So go to at Heroes Podcasts on Facebook or Instagram or at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter to go vote on those things or follow us. Uh, Ryan, where can people find you? Buster Props everywhere. Ray? In a well. No, I'm Siren Ray (laughs) on all the handles, on on everything. Find me there. And I'm the Star Trek dude. Uh, We will catch you guys next week. Bye, guys. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.